people who nowadays say, you know, when am I going to get a raise? Well, your raise will be effective when you are. This is Stay Paid, a sales and marketing podcast on a mission to help you close more deals and retain more business. Welcome to another episode of Stay Paid. I'm Joshua Stike along with Luke Acree. And before we bring in our guest today, we'd love it if you take a minute to subscribe to Stay Paid on Apple Podcasts or Spotify if you're not already subscribed. And while you're there, drop us a review to let us know how we're doing. We'll read it right here on the show. Our guest today is John G. Miller. He is the author of QBQ, the question behind the question in multiple books, Flipping the Switch, Outstanding, 47 Ways to Make Your Organization uh, Exceptional. Uh, He also wrote a kid's book recently that we might get into, Raising uh, Accountable Kids. But the reason why we wanted to have, he's holding it up here if you're watching the video here on YouTube, but the reason we wanted to have John on the show was uh, our good friend, Sean Carpenter, who we, uh, I think we've deemed him the most, uh, quoted the most quoted guest yep. on the podcast. We did a webinar with our company and him uh, with Reminder Media and Sean not that long ago. And one of the things he brought up on that webinar was this book, QBQ, that he reads every single year to help him keep himself accountable. I went out and bought the book right away because anytime someone like Sean says he reads a book, yeah. anybody that reads the same book every year, I'm going to go pick that up and read it myself. So we're excited to have John on the show. Welcome to Stay Paid, John. Thank you, Josh and Luke. Glad to be here. Appreciate it. Yeah, we're excited. I'm really excited to uh, dive into this topic of accountability because I really think that's one of the four fundamentals uh, for really building, one, a great team and being a great leader, but just having a great life. Um, I'd yep. love for you, though, to you know share a little bit about your journey, right? You're um, written all these books, but uh, talk to us a little bit of how you got into it, what led you to writing QBQ. That'd be great. I was born in Ithaca, New York in 1958 before indoor plumbing. And 22 years <laughs> later, after graduating from Cornell University, my wife, of eight, she was 19, I was 22. We moved out west with a big company. I had a career job. Five years later, I realized I was not an eight to five kind of guy sitting at a desk with a supervisor looking over my shoulder. And I found this wonderful career selling training in Minneapolis, St. Paul, leadership and management training. And uh, I really found my niche. I love to sell. I love to persuade. I love to pursue. I love to teach. I love to coach. So all my gifts, if you will, kind of came together selling training. So then I started running all these training sessions for management people in Minneapolis, St. Paul and some really fine firms. I did that for a decade. And I, I figured I spent about 10,000 hours in, in groups, small groups with clients, mostly management. And I started to, to learn and listen. And of course, that's where I developed my message of accountability, which we'll get into. And then uh, about 1995, I left my mentor who had taught me to sell training. Like all good mentees do, I moved on. And I created my own career as a speaker on one concept, personal accountability. A couple of years later, my wife and I moved from Minneapolis and got out of the Arctic tundra and headed straight to Denver where it's 40 degrees in January and not five below. <laughs> and we have been here 25 years. And that's where we've raised our seven children. And that's that's the story of my life. Wow, seven children. So I didn't realize you had so many kids. I grew up in a family of eight kids. Oh, you um, understand. Yep. So, you know, God bless you. I you only, understand I, the other side. Of I only that, have the, one. Not the parent side. Yeah, yet. I only have one <laughs> kid now. Um, you yeah. know, hopefully we'll have more, but um, have one kid now. Um, well, that's great. But uh, talk to us a little bit about this whole philosophy of personal accountability, right? This is the mantra, obviously, you've centered your career around. Uh, Tell us what that means to you. 
One reason Sean Carpenter has read the QBQ book every New Year's Eve for years, and we've come out with new editions all along, is because nobody ever totally masters being accountable. Mm. It's too human and too easy to slip into the three traps we talk about in the book, victim thinking and its first cousin entitlement. The second trap is blame and finger pointing. And the third trap is procrastination, delaying action while waiting on others. So if you look at those human traps of playing the victim, pointing fingers and, and not getting anything done, well, we all fall into those traps on any given day. So the, the QBQ message, which stands for the question behind the question, is all about eliminating those three traps. And nobody ever eliminates the trap of feeling sorry for ourselves forever. Mm. Depending on circumstances, the people in our life, uh, the, the breaks we get or the breaks we make, all of a sudden we can be playing victim. And QBQ, this, this tool we've talked, we're going to talk about, helps me get out of that quagmire of victim thinking and entitlement and start making a difference again. So it's an ongoing process. But the reason I came up with this message of accountability is when I was selling training to executives, I noticed the number one need in corporate America was not customer service. We just think it is not leadership. We just think it is not diversity and inclusion and technology. Those are all important, I'm sure. But the foundation <laughs> Of all of those other topics, personal responsibility, yes. personal accountability, taking ownership. And that's all we teach. Yeah. Preach at, it, man. And yeah. I'm that's good. Well, it's we see that in our company. Yeah. It's like every time we're meeting as a senior leadership team, it comes back to that one word, accountability, where the failures happen because there has not been accountability driven amongst from top leaders all the way down to the front line. Uh, what trap do you think you fall into the most? With uh, personal accountability? Yeah, with what he's talking about. For me, uh, it's procrastination. procrastination. Yeah, that's for like me it's too. The, it's the, um, I tend to be a perfectionist. We just had a podcast yesterday we recorded, said I'm a recovering perfectionist. But uh, that tends to be the idea of if it can't be perfect, then I don't move. But I'm, I'm getting better. Yeah. But that's one of my biggest traps. Yeah. It's funny. The, the, I think the myth I tell myself is you've got to let people do their thing. Mm. So you can't, tell you be a dictator right and tell people what to do so I, it's actually the more and more i've self-reflected and worked on my own personal responsibility realized oh that's an excuse you're making because you don't want to take action and it's your story you're telling yourself about procrastination you know to give you an excuse to procrastinate so walk us through our number one struggle is procrastination walk us through kind of the qbq methodology and and how we could attack that sure well let me just say this, the victim thinking piece, the, the blame piece, the procrastination piece, I've asked groups this for 20 years, uh, 25 years. I've said, which of those three traps is your, is your struggle? And I guarantee you the most common one mentioned is procrastination. And uh, it's just the easy one. Hey, I'm a terrible procrastinator, John. I'll tell you about it later. We fell into the trap. John, you let us fall right in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not saying you guys aren't procrastinators, although you were, you were a couple minutes late to the podcast, okay? <laughs> but I, I think it takes um, some tremendous self-awareness for me to say, you know what? I've been asking too many whodunit questions. I'm always seeking a culprit, mm. which is my way of saying my problems are out there. I didn't cause them. Mm. They caused them. And if only those people would, would do better, then my life would be better. And that other trap of victim thinking, 
Why is this happening to me? It takes some real emotional courage to say, you know what? I am done having a pity party where I'm the only guest invited. (laughs) I am done playing victim. I am done feeling sorry for myself. So when the QBQ message came along in my brain, it came from real people in real sessions who I heard saying or asking questions like these. Now, just hear these a little bit. Why do we have to go through all this change? Victim thinking. When is someone going to get me the information I need to make a decision? Procrastination. Who made the mistake? Blame. So I started listening and I started Mm. hearing questions like, when is someone going to train me? And I started developing a very non-subtle message of train yourself. Mm. You're an adult. This is not parent-child. It should not be parent-child with the boss and the employee. You're an adult. Develop yourself. And I started teaching these simple concepts and people just latched onto them. So we started training people to instead of saying, when is someone going to train me, which we call an IQ, incorrect question, ask the QBQ, the question behind the question, what can I do to develop myself today? How can I learn new skills today? Instead of asking, why doesn't that department do its job right? How about asking, what can I do to serve those people in my company? we're, We're all on the same team. What can I do to be my best today? Instead of asking, who dropped the ball? Who made the mistake? Who missed the deadline? What about asking, what can I do right now to solve this problem? So we started teaching QBQ. This was 1994, 1995. And, you know, you don't get a lot of lucky breaks in life. You make your own. But, you know, once I started teaching QBQ, all of a sudden it just, it just took off. But here was the problem. I was teaching the seven steps to trust building and the nine characteristics of leadership along with QBQ. And I was getting feedback. People were saying, well, the only thing I really remember you talking about was QBQ. (laughs) It just stuck. And I'll never know why. Maybe because it's a cool acronym. I I was smart enough to trademark it. Okay. All right. All right. (laughs) So then we started, I just started going around the country. State Farm hired me once that turned into 73 engagements. Merck Pharmaceutical hired me once. That turned into 25 because people were hungry. This was mid to late 90s to hear about personal accountability. Now think about it. We're in 2022. Do you think there's a greater need Mm. for personal accountability today? Absolutely. In a society totally driven by some really negative things. See, I ask any audience, how many of you think there's too much victim thinking in our world today? And every hand goes up. But then I say, but that doesn't really matter, does it? Because it's my victim thinking that counts. Am I playing the victim? So I could go on and on, but I'll interrupt, I'll interrupt myself and let you guys ask a profound life-changing question. <laughs> I love it. There is a huge issue to touch on what you just said called the quiet resignation, right? We just came from the great resignation where everybody's quitting their jobs and jumping during uh, COVID. But there's this thing going around now, articles-wise and, and amongst executives talking about the quiet resignation, which is basically people have quit their job, but they're still at their job, right? right. And that speaks to the personal accountability. Here's my question for you, just in practicality. Let me, you, let me tell you what it speaks to, in my opinion, is it speaks to the weakness of companies when it comes to confronting people and holding them to a high level of performance. Mm. Because heaven forbid we lose someone. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, let's let them mentally quit, but get paid because heavens, we got a warm body in a chair that fogs up a mirror. We don't want to lose that body. Yep, 
Yeah, this person's so, doing 30%. If I lose them, that 30% is going to go to me. Even though they're right. not doing 100%, I can't take the 30%. Yeah. I, I hear that yeah. all the time. That, hey guys, I know I'm a boomer and you're not, but <laughs> <laughs> we boomers kind of believe that every day you're on the job, you have to earn your job. You have to earn your job every day. You have yeah. to just keep producing. Yeah. yeah. Unlike the people who nowadays say, you know, when am I going to get a raise? Well, your raise will be effective when you are. Yeah. <laughs> oh, quote of the episode. You're raising well, that's in the you. outstanding book, by the way. You know, I just want to make sure that we got that trademark, too. All yeah. right? anyway. <laughs> well, let me let right. me touch on Go that. Ahead. Like uh, my question is, like, how do you teach managers, leaders to confront their people when it comes well, to accountability? Like, what are the practical or tactical things that they can do? Let me back up just a bit. Uh, Luke, if I could, there are two myths of accountability and just take it from a guy who's got gray hair now, been out teaching QBQ since 1994. When I first walk in front of an audience, and by the way, my daughter, who's turning uh, 40 next year, I always like to say that out loud. She uh, has been with us for 15 years. Her name is Kristen. You can find her at QBQ.com. So I've got a millennial, an older millennial going around the country talking about personal accountability as well. So that's that's very exciting. But we both know when we first say personal accountability, people think of really two myths. The first myth is that it's a group thing or a team thing. Yeah, the team's got to be accountable and we got to have group accountability and, and all those kinds of things. And, and people don't think, wait a minute, it's about me. It's about me being accountable. So instead of asking why don't others pull their own weight, I can ask the QBQ, what can I do today to support the team? So accountability is not a team thing. It's not a group thing. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't want any angry emails. Teams are great, but not when we hide behind the team. Can you imagine hiding behind the team with language like, well, the team didn't get it done. The team didn't get to the result. The team missed the deadline. The team didn't work hard. Nobody cared as much as I cared. My middle name is Martyr. I mean, we could go on and on with this stuff, but accountability is not a team thing. It's a me thing. And the second myth around accountability, which ties into your original question, Luke, is it is not something I do to someone else. Hmm. Now, you want to talk about management skills and management processes, like how to structure a job for a new employee so they know exactly what to be doing the first seven days on the job. How to train and coach, which means to be with them. Managers, get off the phone, get out of your meetings and be with the people. Mm. If you want to talk about confrontation, a good six-step technique on how to sit down and confront, and nothing wrong with that word, somebody on their behavior, then let's talk about management technique and process. But when it comes to accountability, we know, of course, as a side comment, you know, the Philadelphia Phillies weren't doing very well a few months ago, Luke, and the manager got fired, as it should be. Because the manager is always accountable. And that's, of course, a whole different topic. But what we don't want to do, what we always want to do is model accountability for others. So the second myth, the first myth was, I, I think it's a group thing. Accountability is a big group thing. No, it's a me thing. Second myth is this. I think it's something I do to others. So managers are always saying, you know, I'm going to call my team in on Tuesday, John. We're going to have a tough meeting because it's, it's time for me <laughs> to hold them. Accountable. <laughs> and the audience always fills in that blank. Yeah, we're not talking about me holding you accountable when it comes to QBQ. We're talking about me looking inside 
and in that mirror and saying, what can I do to improve? So if I'm a manager, how can I become a better coach for my people? Instead of asking, why isn't Jeremy doing his work? And why can't Susan get motivated? Let's ask, what can I do to get to know Jeremy and Mm. Susan better? What can I do today to be a more effective coach for those people? What can I do to change me? Now, that does not mean, please hear me, that we don't at some point confront, put on performance notice, and terminate. Yeah. Sorry to be say this phrase, but sometimes my mentor taught me you got to weed the garden. Mm. But what we're talking about with QBQ is really humility. And humility is the, is the most powerful, most powerful uh, leadership characteristic. Sometimes uh, managers will ask us, how do I draw my people to me? How do I build a stronger team? Well, it all begins with you showing humility and vulnerability to your team. That doesn't mean being weak. That just means saying, you know what? I messed up. What can I do to improve? So anyway, we could go on and on about management. I just want to be clear that QBQ is about the individual, yeah. no matter what the role. I don't care if they're CEO, senior vice president, director, manager, supervisor, shift leader, employee. It's about me saying, what can I do to improve me today? That's QBQ. Do you feel like you're constantly chasing after new leads? Does it feel like you're on a hamster wheel running forward, but not getting anywhere? That's not the life you imagined when you got into this business. Listen in as Luke Acre and I prove the extraordinary power of referrals and the money you can make using referral-based marketing. Our free webinar shows you how to stay top of mind, nurture clients, and automate your marketing so you can get off the hamster wheel for good. Go to ReminderMedia.com slash hamster wheel. Yes, that's the real URL. We named it that so you'd remember. Go there to find out the secrets that the top producers are using to live the life of freedom you know you deserve. That's ReminderMedia.com slash hamster wheel. Take action on this today. How do you kind of, um, you maybe rephrase it from the standpoint of, all right, other than reading the book, right? Because we talked a lot about leaders holding themselves accountable, how you can personal accountability. Other than reading the book, how do you help your team then ask those questions? Like, because you obviously, like, you can rattle off the questions. What's the question behind the question? What's the question behind the question? Where... Where are you coming up with that framework? Like, how do you arrive to that question? I guess is what I'm trying to get at. The good news, really, taught in the book, QBQ, and the sequel, Flipping the Switch, is the methodology, if you will, for a QBQ. Absolutely. uh, Josh, we don't walk into a group and shame them by saying, you need to be more accountable. In our sessions, whether it's when we license training to an organization, they facilitate it in-house. This is all at QBQ.com. Or Kristen and I go in and speak you know, for a one to three hour kind of session. We're just talking on this podcast. I'm not telling somebody, you're a bum. We'll be more accountable. No, no, no. We're going to help people understand what accountability is. It's all about making better choices in the moment. And I can always work on making a better choice in the moment. Mm. So when something goes wrong in my life, do I lash out at my wife or my kids in anger? Or do I say, well, what could I have done to have prevented this problem? What can I do right now to serve my wife? How can I show my kids I love them just the way they are? Now we've slipped into that, that home world. And that's the exciting part about QBQ is it applies everywhere. There's nowhere it doesn't apply. Home or work or church, or where you volunteer, or where you donate your time and money. It doesn't matter. Your neighborhood. Okay. Methodology. QBQs always begin with what or how. Contain the word I and focus on action. There mm-hmm. it is. Okay. It's all taught about. So every QBQ you'll hear me uh, say in this session, 
it did begin with the word what or how, not why, when, or who. We want to avoid, why is this happening to me? When are they going to support me more? Who made the mistake? We want to ask, what can I do? And then the QBQ always, always contains the personal pronoun I. Because, you ready? I can only change me. Mm. There's the money line for the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) And the reason I say that is uh, Dave Ramsey's had me on a few times. He always asks the same question at the end of the interview. He says, John, what's the number one takeaway from QBQ for people? And I say this, I can only change myself. Mm. Everybody who joined this podcast today, I guarantee it, has some frustration with a spouse, a kid, a boss, a coworker, a neighbor. And if only that person would change, my life would would improve. Mm. But wait, wait a minute, I can only change me. What can I do? Yeah. What can mm. I do to change me today? So begins with water, how contains word I focuses on getting stuff done action. That's the framework for the QBQ. It's all in the book. Doing this for so long. What are some of the biggest sort of stories or like success stories, I guess you would call them that you've heard from people that have taken your course or read your book. What are some of the biggest changes you've seen? You know, I always go to the home life because uh, in the end, as we all know, when we're laying on our deathbed, we're not going to say, I wish I had worked another hour or two. A couple of years ago, I spoke right here in Colorado, in Brighton, Colorado, for a school district. And uh, a woman, when I was done, came up and said, QBQ saved my marriage. And I said, well, that's very humbling. Can you tell me the story? She said, well, uh, on a Tuesday, my wife, my husband and I had a big fight the night before. She was about 30 years old, been married five, six, seven years. So that danger zone for marriages. And uh, how long have you guys been married? Never mind, never mind. Okay, we won't even get to that. <laughs> So she said she actually had packed boxes and put them on the front porch because she was moving out. Mm. And that day she went to work and, her, and her, the trainer in the, in the school district gave her QBQ to read. And she sat down over lunch and ate a sandwich and skimmed through QBQ. It's about an hour, hour and a quarter read for most people. And she realized she was engaging in blame. She was playing victim and she was trying to change her husband. And so she went home and walked in and said, you know what, we need to talk. And this was three months before I had spoken that day. And so I said, are you still together? She said, yep, it's not perfect, but still together trying to work it out. Mostly we're working on ourselves. Mm. My wife and I have been married 42 years. You want an important story? Well, there you go. You know, Mm. we are so different. I mean, my wife has feelings. Can you believe it? (laughs) And I had a feeling once I didn't like it. (laughs) We are really different. Karen and I, we married when she was 19 and I was 22. And if if you don't think we've tried to change each other, holy moly, we spent decades. Well, if only you, and if if you could do this, and if you could do that, if you could be more. Mm. But, you know, the QBQ seeped into our marriage. And as my uh, wife recently told our only son recently, he said, mom, your marriage, the marriage seems pretty good right now. You and dad seem to be getting along great. What's going on? And she said, well, a dad lets me have my feelings and I let him have no friends. <laughs> Speaking <laughs> of the home life, I got to ask selfishly, the parenting book that you wrote, is it written for parents to help? Uh, well, I guess probably for parents no. to hold themselves no, no, accountable, that's a good right? Question. Like, yeah. That's a good question. Actually, <laughs> the reason that's a good question, Josh, is when we first wrote it and sent out an email announcing it was ready to go, 
We got back emails from parents that said, oh, thank you, John and Karen. Finally, a book I can use to get my sixth grader to do his math homework. <laughs> uh, thank you, John and Karen. Finally, a, a, a book we can you know, hit our teenage daughter over the head because she doesn't speak to us very respectfully. Now, thank you, John and Karen. We can use your book to get our Gen Z son off the couch and out in the workforce. We always wonder what happens when they got the book and they got to page two. <laughs> and in page two, we wrote something very controversial. My child is a product of my parenting. And then there's a period. Mm. It's not Donald Trump. It's not Joe Biden. It's not the church. It's not Hollywood and the movies they make. It is me. My child is a product of my parenting. That is a pure statement of accountability. Now, we're not naive. We know the world affects our kids. But as long as we're blaming the internet, as long as we're blaming the neighbors, as long as we're blaming Uncle Joe and the youth leaders and the school teachers, and I'm not saying, what can I do to learn new skills as a mom or a dad? Mm. Can I do to be my best? And that's what the Raising Accountable Kids book is all about. It's all about skills and processes and techniques that help the mom and dad be better at being a mom or a dad. It is not, now you can have an older kid read it, but it's not designed for kids. It's designed for parents. That's awesome. That's awesome. Definitely going to be picking that one up. Last question for you, John. Uh, other than your books. What book has had the biggest impact on your life and why? That's a good question. Um, well, as a Christian, I'd say the Bible. Uh, it is amazing. We don't teach scripture in QBQ, but when I'm in an audience, speak, when I'm speaking to an audience, I've had many people come up and say, you must be a Christian. And I'll say, why? And they'll say, well, I could link a lot of your content right back to specific books in the Bible. Mm. And I'll just give you one, Matthew, uh, Matthew 5, 1 through 7, one through seven um, changing my thinking so I remove the beam from my eye before I try to take the speck out of my wife's. See, that's what QBQ is so much about. Instead of complaining, my manager never trains me. Eh, train yourself. What are you doing to learn? The other department never does their, does their job right. Well, are you, are you being your best today? So before I try to remove the speck from someone else's eye, the Bible says I should remove the beam from my own. So that's all. It's just, it's just truth. You know, before we try to change others, let's change ourselves. But we don't quote the Bible in the book, uh, Josh, because you know what? We sell to all these corporate places. <laughs> right. so, so they get, they, we, we deliver the message uh, through QBQ. But the other secular book written by a human being is something nobody's ever heard of on this, um, this program. Well, you've heard of Napoleon Hill, mm -hmm. who wrote Think and Grow Rich, but I never cared for that book. I couldn't get into it. But his earlier books, one called The Laws of Success, mm. written in the 20s. Here's what's exciting about a book like that. I don't recommend you go try to buy it because you probably can't even find it. Mine is a leather-bound volume about three inches thick. Wow. And I bought it 20 years ago for like 50 bucks at a used bookstore. The laws of success or the law of success. It's nothing but a collection of principles. And I, Dave Ramsey, get really excited right now because one of the principles in the book is avoid debt. He was writing that in 1925. Wow. Before Dave Ramsey came up with the idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But there's all kinds of principles in, in that, that book. And you know what? Principles don't change. Mm. An inch is still an inch, a yard is still a yard, and the message of accountability, it worked in 1952, and it works in 2022.
So no. just say, stay on that path of no blame, no victim thinking, no procrastination, no finger pointing, just asking, what can I do to change me? How can I be my best today? What can I do to contribute? Those are all QBQs. That principle of accountability has never wavered. We've wavered. It has never wavered. That's powerful, John. Mm. Thank you so much for being here. Before we do close out, please let people know how they can connect with you and get your books. Well, thank you. QBQ.com. It's just that simple. Hey, thank you. That's an impressive domain name, a (laughs) three-letter domain name. Okay, real quickly, I got it from a guy in 1998 who said, I don't need a domain name. Who needs a website? That (laughs) is for you, dude. I I bought it from him for $2,000, and it was the best two grand I ever spent. Absolutely. That's awesome. Well, thanks again for being here. Thank you all so much for listening. You can dive deeper into this episode, get the show notes and the links that John mentioned over at statepaidpodcast.com. If you enjoyed this episode and want to show your support, the first way we ask is to head on over to Apple Podcasts, drop us a five-star review, let us know what you thought of this episode. And the best way to show your support is just to share this episode with a friend. If you want to get a hold of me or Luke, you can email us at podcast at remindermedia.com. And of course, you can find us on social media. We are at Stay Paid Podcast. For this episode of Stay Paid, I'm Joshua Stike. Guys, and I'm Luke Acree. John, thank you so much. Awesome, awesome message. My challenge to everybody for this episode to take your action item away would be implement the QBQ method in your life. This personal responsibility, personal accountability, asking the question behind the question is the absolute key. The difference between top producers and mediocre producers is they do the QBQ. So take (laughs) action on that today. 